Hey, Painless Pod pals. It's Chris Harwick from Painless Networking here with the audio from our event a few weeks back called Entrepreneurs Creating Impact, Networking with a Purpose. In a sec, you'll meet FK Day. He's a co-founder of Chicago-based global bike component leader, SRAM, who put his success to work in founding World Bicycle Relief. And joining FK is a good friend of the pod, Bank of America Chicago Marathon's executive race director, Carrie Pinkowski. We talk about building and keeping a brand tied to a sense of community and giving back, some great tales of grassroots marketing, a lot of it about listening to your consumer. Did you know that WBR has already donated over 400,000 bikes? Yes, 400,000 students, healthcare workers, entrepreneurs across Africa, South America, and Southeast Asia. That mobility that they've been given has changed their lives. Awesome stories. Did you know that runners, Chicago Marathon, raised more than $200 million for charities while they run those 26.2 miles? That's helped impact millions of lives fighting disease and hunger and neglect, bringing that much more pride to finishing the marathon. Let's learn how these entrepreneurial gentlemen of each in their own way combine sport and community and ingenuity to directly and dramatically impact the lives of so many people. Check the pod description for links to learn more about these two great guys, their work, and how you can get involved, including a terrific year-end WBR event that's coming up fast, November 8th. Now, let's get connected with FK and Harry. We'll start with FK. Tell us, bikes, what, 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 what happened? How did this thing start? How did it come about, SRAM and turning into WVR? My brother and I and some friends, we founded SRAM back in 87. So I'm a little more of an older fossil than you at this point. Just and, a couple years though. Yeah. Not much. And uh, my, my brother and I grew up wanting to go into business together ever since we were little kids. You know, we'd lie in bed together going, we're going to go into business, Stan, won't we? He goes, yeah, we're going to go into business. And um, we, we looked at a lot of things, and my brother was a weekend triathlete, and we were living together downtown, and he was training for you know, his next triathlon, and he came back one day and he said, FK, you know, I'm gonna get killed out there training on my bike, because those taxi cabs, they just don't care. And when you reach down to shift your gears on the down tube of the bike, that you're all out of control. So he goes, we've gotta put shifting on the end of the handlebar of road bikes. I'm like, well, that, that sounds like a good idea. So Stan worked with, uh, with a friend and an engineer who came up with, uh, with our first mechanism, and that ended up being our very first product, Grip Shift. Stan was an MBA. I was a college dropout, so Stan wrote the business plan. And uh, he called for selling 100,000 units our first year, 300,000 units our second year. We'd sell the company our third year and go live on a beach. Year number one, we sold about 824 Grip Shifts and we ended up taking most of them back. So that was the starting of SRAM. What you see here came with some pain. Uh, that, was our, that was our first pain. We slowly climbed out of that uh, rut. We changed uh, industries from road bikes into mountain bikes, and we rode the mountain bike uh, wave up, and it was, uh, that's really what, what created the company. Spin forward uh, to 2000, uh, December of 2004, and um, many of us were on winter holidays and some of us were watching the televisions and uh, to our horror the tsunami uh, activated by an earthquake swept across the Indian Ocean uh, killing hundreds of thousands of people. 
we looked at that and we, we, we thought deep in our hearts, we, we need to respond to this. You know, our organization, SRAM, is aching to do something in response. We need to create something. So we thought, well, we could raise money and send it to the Red Cross, or maybe we could do something more impactful. Maybe we could leverage our expertise in the bike industry and deliver bikes to people who had lost so much. We called around all the relief organizations and they all said, no, 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 just send us your money. But then my wife and I flew to Sri Lanka and Indonesia and we interviewed people there and the response was completely different. We delivered 24,000 bikes into tsunami hit uh, Sri Lanka, measured the results and the results were off the charts. And that was the starting of World Bicycle Relief. We hired an outside firm that specializes in uh, measuring both development programs in, uh, in poor countries or disaster relief in, in poor countries. And what they came back with and said that they saw direct and immediate impact in the areas of education, healthcare, and economic development. Education, kids were going back to school because after the tsunami they became displaced like 15 kilometers away from their schools and they were unable to get to school. So with a bike, they got back to schools, they, um, their, their attendance and performance went up. So that was one key area. Healthcare, when families that had been displaced suddenly had a bike, their access to clinics increased. Suddenly they were able to get to the clinics more frequently. People that had been displaced so far, they were oftentimes fishermen and now they're 15 kilometers inland and they go, I'm a fisherman, I'm 15 kilometers away from the ocean. You know, they, they couldn't get to work. So that's where we began to see uh, the areas of the deepest and, and most immediate impact. And then we began to focus in and drill down and say, what do each of these mean? So really the first indication was uh, in the disaster relief and we've been able to play that out through, um, through everything we do today. It's all based on those three things. Carrie, first years you were involved with the marathon, some turmoil, a sponsorship changeover, lost a sponsor, went to a half marathon for, for one year, and then you brought, helped bring the marathon back to life. How did you, you know, in those early days, what, what, what skills, what tools did you put to use to help bring people together, bring Chicago, bring, you had to talk about, you know, 50 different organizations from the city and all these community groups and churches. How did you touch that off and start that moving, moving the momentum forward when there was a lot of pushback against the race? Uh, for me, I, 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 have, I have lived uh, a charmed life. Um, I grew up uh, not far from here in Northwest Indiana running cross country and, and track and was fortunate enough to have success and I, uh, I was recruited by some colleges and, and ended up at Villanova University and um, I uh, uh, had some teammates of mine and classmates from New York City, Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island and somebody came up with the idea to take, take the train from Philadelphia up to New York to watch the New York City Marathon and this is in the late 70s. And uh, I remember getting on the train and going to New York. It was the first time I'd ever been to New York and uh, watching the New York City Marathon and, uh, and just being amazed from my perspective how um, uh, I looked at it from the elite side of it. And I was, at the time, we had Frank Shorter and Alberto Salazar and Bill Rogers and those athletes which had, they had a, a, a very visible profile. But I was amazed at um, 
my teammates, we were uh, on uh, at the 59th Street Bridge as the runners were kind of coming over the bridge, and uh, my teammates took off and went to the finish line and wanted to watch the finish. And I was just amazed at the streaming of people that came over the bridge that didn't look like runners, had no chance of finishing with our and within hours, and I, I just it just kind of it kind of captain, captivated me a little bit because I hadn't really you know seen that perspective before, uh, and then. Standing at the base of the 59th Street Bridge, I had no idea where Central Park was either. So it was my friends took off. So I that was kind of my first road run, getting back to Central Park. But um, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Fred Lebo, and uh, who was the founder of the New York Roadrunners Club and and founded the New York City Marathon. And he kind of shared with me his insight and vision and. Uh, uh, kind of let me have a peek behind the curtain of what he saw and uh, I just felt that uh, Chicago is such a great sports city such a great uh, community it's uh, there's such an energy here that there's there's no there's there's no reason that we can't have an event that rivals what they do in New York or Boston or London um, and, and just kind of grinding away at it and we really started and, and just uh, we've always uh, uh, created uh, a, a, a great from what we call curb to curb race day experience and built on that and that kind of each year we got a little bit better and uh, the community the, the community embraced it and we just took those partnerships and I had a night I just invited everybody to come and listen and and uh, and we just started doing it slowly each year year after year uh, it's this is my 29th year now that we've done it and each each year it, it, it's uh, I'm never surprised by some of the things that, that, that I see or hear with the event, but it was, it was really about community and, and uh, building that, that, uh, that deck level experience and foundation. A lot of the things that we still implement today that we, we, we did, you know, we did 29 years well, ago. Well, and so it's... Tapping into, the, tapping into the energy of the community. Yeah, well, and I think people here would probably, probably be surprised. I mean... You were, how many days and nights of the week early on were you out talking to churches, community groups, running clubs? I mean, it was... We still do that. Well, you, I mean, you still do it today. Yeah. No, but I mean, that's it. That's why it's exactly. still, I think, authentic, is yeah. that you still go see those same groups and a lot of the same people. But that was really, I mean, you were doing that yeah. all day, every day of trying to get people either to volunteer or run or whatever, right? I mean, how did you know how to do that? Well, I, you know, I think that there's, there's uh, the event itself, obviously, is, is a celebration of humanity. Um, and um, there's a certain intrigue about the event. And I think the accessibility and what I've been part of, which, is, which has just been wonderful, is the growth of the event. And a lot of people that have grown with the event, whether they're volunteers or, or, or people in the community, have seen how uh, the event has grown and the, the milestones that we've hit, and they all feel like they're part of that. So, you know, we, we I've always felt as the director that you 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 know you engage with people and, and listen to people. You know, part of our team is here is, is here tonight. We we just try to get a little bit better, but it's it it, it it's it's the uh, ultimate example of uh, of a team effort. I mean, it takes the community, it takes the residents, it takes the participants, volunteers, the corporate community. Everybody, everybody comes together, and it's and it's a magnificent uh, uh, opportunity to showcase uh, the city of Chicago and the fabric of the community in, in, in a grand way. FK college dropout, how did you, how did you get the sense of, of this of understanding like 
you talked about, you went and you talked to people that had been impacted by the tsunami. How, you know, where did you, did that come, you think, pretty naturally? Did you have some learning curves of like, you know, from, from the business side with SRAM that, you know, helped the light bulb go on? How did you know to get out there and like we were talking about before, the measurement, to even know this is the way to be building my brand and connecting with the community? So I, I would say um, it stems back from the, uh, our very first product at SRAM, grip shift. So there were twist shifters. Does anyone remember those twist shifters on the end of road bike handlebars? So um, I'll bet you didn't use them. But, uh, <laughs> so I can explain that. So uh, back in the mid-80s when we were developing this product, you know, China was having a lot of very bad behavior, stealing ideas and, and copying patents and doing all that stuff. So we said, we have just discovered the best thing that cycling has ever seen, and we've got this business plan to back us up, and we're just not going to or show it to any of our customers. We're just going to introduce it. And they'll all come beating a path to our door, and then we'll live on a beach in three years. <laughs> so. You know, when, when, we, when we introduced the product, it was at the Long Beach show in uh, January of 88, I think. So, you know, we had a big 10 by, 30, uh, 10 by 30 booth. We had our products out there and bikes, and you could, like, spin the wheel and shift the gears. They worked beautifully. And we were all in coats and ties, because we were new to the bike industry, right? <laughs> They're all in, you know, shaved legs and shorts, and we're in coats and ties. Um, but here we were, we were showing products and people would look at it and they would go, oh, oh, that's terrible. I'd never put that on my bike. And, and imagine the surprise in our face. We had just spent all this time and money on a product that nobody wanted because we had forgotten to go to the end users and get their opinion. So when we got kicked out of more dealers than most people has ever been in, we began to learn, you know, include your end user feedback, take that information and instead of trying to sell a product that no one wants, go, you know, I'm really curious, you know, help us go into the next level here. So that was, um, that was a big and very useful learning. We've, we've kept that deep in our hearts the, the up and, you know, throughout. How did you apply that to now World Bicycle Relief? We, I got a, thanks to Michael Myers, brilliant questioning before uh, before we started tonight about how the the Buffalo bike is put together, uh, why is it not sold here, or why you know how the parts work, how the distribution work. How did you come to? Was there a lot of trial and error with building the 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 first bike? Like, is this very different from that initial bike that you put out, the tens of thousands that you put out after the tsunami? How, how did you? learn? How did you get better on that? Well, you know, the, the genesis of the idea and, and it's like, thank God, whoever's first idea they think of, it's usually not the one they go, they, they go to market with. Um, our very first idea when we were going to respond to the, the tsunami and we were getting no positive feedback from the, uh, from the relief organizations was, you know what? Kids have lost so much, we're going to gather up all the secondhand kids' bikes in America, put them in containers, and ship them over to Indonesia and Sri Lanka. So that's what Leah and I flew over to those areas and began to talk to the relief organizations about. And when I got off the plane in uh, Indonesia, I looked around and was like, that idea ain't going to fly. That ain't going to fly at all. 
And then I go, okay, well, I know all the supply chains that come out of India and China. We'll just bring in bikes from India and China. And then you look at the ports, and the ports were destroyed, and it's like, well, that idea ain't going to fly either. <laughs> so now we had a bit of a problem. So uh, we lucked out and found a producer in Sri Lanka that um, designed and man manufactured culturally appropriate bikes. So we were able to partner with them, improve a bunch of their quality aspects that we wanted to improve, and we began sourcing bikes right out of Sri Lanka. And the cool thing about that was that, well, all the spare parts are there, all the knowledge is there, uh, very short uh, work and process, very short inventory and lead times. So it was ideal. Now, we thought we could replicate that in Africa. We thought, oh, Sri Lanka's done, we're gonna go to Africa, we're just gonna do the exact same thing. And Africa was no, nothing like Sri Lanka. There was no supply chain that could provide bikes. So what we would do is we said, okay, we'll, we'll work with uh, the existing supply chains out of China and India. So I'd go out and I'd buy you know, a dozen of this brand bike and a dozen of that brand bike and a dozen of this one. I'd put them out on the computer, in the communities and then I'd just go out and watch how people would use them. And these are very traditional bikes that you would see in Africa built off of the, the early British Roadster. And what we saw is that the bikes would begin to break almost immediately. Like pedals would snap off, crank arms would bend, the wheel would just go and and but the, the producers of these bikes would go, no, 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 our bike is the best bike out there. And then we'd bring like a box of broken parts and we'd go, well, what the hell happened here? <laughs> and they, so uh, we found one producer that said, I had no idea that our bikes were breaking. Can you help us with that? It's like, we know how to do that. So that's what began a big series of product development cycles, strengthening the supply chain from an ancient design from the British 65 years ago to the design we're using today. Gary, how about with the, the marathon as it's gone through some explosive but just constant trend up in, in terms of, of runners? I know that from, from working on the race, we would do a, do we call it a post-mortem? I think now you call it an after-action review. It's a little bit more PC, but I think people understanding that you would have a thousand things that people would come at with complaints about. I, my favorite one, that story I tell everybody is about the person that complained that the concrete or the asphalt was too hard in this certain mile 22. Right. No, you, that's your, physiologically, you're hitting the wall, you're breaking down. The asphalt's no harder there than anywhere else. Coming back to your, your base, your community, how did, how did you, stay loyal to that core while being able to continue to grow from 6,000 runners to 12 to 15 to 25 to 45? Well, I, you know, we have got um, very fortunate to have just a very dedicated, talented staff uh, that works on the marathon. Janet and Paul are here. That uh, Janet's our creative director and Paul works on our sponsorship team. And uh, the one thing that this group does, and we've had individuals that like any organization that come in and out of, out of it. But they always, we always try to get a little bit better each year. And um, people that, that listen to feedback and, and uh, take information and, and value that, I, I've always felt if someone's willing to give you some feedback or some response, that, that that's a positive, whether it's something you want to hear or something you don't want to hear. But um, we just have uh, uh, 
a goal of evaluating everything and we take a couple days and look at the calendar and from day one going back to the, 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 the when we take the last uh, uh, elements out of out of the park or the finish line and just and try to get a little bit better and a little bit more efficient um, and uh, that energy and that perspective I think is is has uh, allowed us to get you know better each year and uh, I mean obviously we're very fortunate the, uh, the, the, the popularity and the demand of the event has continued and, and we continue to deliver that, that race day experience. So, um, you know, when you have that chemistry around you and, and, and in a lot of ways they're intrinsically uh, connected to this. You mentioned earlier uh, uh, the Abbott World Marathon Majors. Um, our staff, um, you know, interacts with the staff of the Boston Marathon or the New York City Marathon or Boston or and, and, and really that we have a much, a much wider, uh, uh, you know, feedback. And, and, and as our event has grown internationally, uh, we take pieces and best practices and, and, and that sharing of information has allowed us to, to get a little, bit, a little bit better. And I think uh, our team recognizes that there's nothing casual or impromptu about someone when they decide to, to participate in the marathon. They sacrifice a lot of time, a lot of energy, uh, there's a lot of heartbreak that goes into it, um, and it, it, it not only is the individual that, that participates, but their family is engaged, and the workplace is engaged, and, and there's just a lot of emotion that's invested in that. And we've, we've always stepped away and tried to make everyone that participates in, in the Chicago Marathon uh, feel special, whether they're um, you know, one of our champions, whether it's Galen Rupp, who won last year, or Mo Farah, who's going to be joining us for the first time this year, one of the most decorated athletes uh, in the world, distance runners, or the person that finishes last. We want to make sure that, that everybody feels like that they fulfilled their, that journey. And that's, that's been a constant. And I mean, you know, that you get tugged and pulled in different directions, but, you know, it's balancing all that and having a team that understands that that's where we want to get and we don't want to compromise certain pieces of it. Now, I've played golf with you. <laughs> so I know oh that there are, there are certain situations where you are not willing I to... I have changed my whole... You haven't seen me in the last year or two. Yeah, I've changed my whole... You are not willing to heed others' advice or right. coaching. But, as you talked about with the marathon team, it's really as a team perspective. Is that... It, it, owing to parents, uh, coach or certain coaches, or is it more just it's it's been intrinsic for you to understand that core of being open-minded and setting aside that giant ego of yours for something like this and <laughs> I'm getting the marathon done right. I have just been you know in life I've just been very fortunate to have uh, people that have pointed me in the right direction at points in my life. I mean I've had some great coaches. Uh, I'm from Hammond, Indiana. I'm a product of the Hammond public school system. I had some great coaches and some great teachers that uh, that spent some time with me, and and that and that continued on. I, mean, I mentioned Fred Lebo, but Guy Morris, uh, who was a mentor of mine, who was the race director of the Boston Marathon, from Boston, was, right? was amazing. Dave Bedford, uh, who I grew up watching as an athlete, mm -hmm. uh, watching him run in the Olympics, and him really sharing. So I, I've just been really. Yeah, with the London Marathon. London there Marathon is a there is a sense of community there yeah. too that there's more open mindedness. I mean, FK, how how does that work within the bike space? Is there? I mean, there's community among cyclists, but among competition or amongst competitors, 
um, or maybe even your competitors may also have a, a nonprofit arm. Are, the, are you sharing, or is it a little bit more close to the vest, uh, as I can imagine with the dollars involved? I would say that um, competitors in the cycling arena are, are, you know, they're fierce in the ring and they are community outside. But if you look at um, not but and, uh, when we started World Bicycle Relief, it was, it was a SRAM-led thing, but literally the entire bike industry is involved. You know, Trek, Specialized, Cannondale, Giant, you know, they're all involved. Multiple dealers around the United States and Europe are involved. So this is not, you know, this is not, um, you know, this is not uh, the competitors like Trek and Specialized if you put them in this room to talk about whose bike is better, you know, you want to clear the room. <laughs> but if you put them in the room to talk about what we can do to improve transportation in developing countries, they're all in. So in a way, you know, we've been able to create a community around something that's bigger than all of us. It's a need for transportation. And it's not being met. And we in the bicycle industry and all of us in this room have the unique ability to do something about it. And that's very unifying. Very well said. What kind of along the line of coaches, I'm talking sports and all, what's the best piece of advice that you remember that sticks in your head every, maybe every day or all the time as a challenge comes up that helps you keep going forward? Is there a, a, words of wisdom from Northwest Indiana, Carrie, <laughs> that we can that we can air that we can we can say amongst uh, everybody here? It's clean enough. No, I, I <laughs> you know I, I think um, you know I'm 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 a firm believer in in in, uh, in, in communication and transparency with what 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 we want to do um, and how we want to do it. But um, you know as as I was talking about comp competition between the, the manufacturers. Uh, our, our partners in the World Marathon Majors are, are extremely uh, competitive, but that's that's a good thing. Um, you know that we all try to get collectively better, um, and if someone does something or inter you know, and they share that with us or they set certain goals, I mean, uh, for us with with our charity program, um, I there was a point where we had we had no charity aspect or no fundraising uh, point last year. We raised 18.5 million dollars race day. So I, I, I think for me that perspective where we had nothing and then all of a sudden we're doing some great things, um, it keeps keeps us keeps me grounded um, because I'm just so fortunate to be part of that and see how the just the the the, the context of our event has changed and um, how we've been able to adjust to that and, and create opportunities and platforms for people um, to to celebrate. Uh, you know, one of the great uh, personal endeavors and, and then turn that into an opportunity to raise money for charity or, uh, you know, our, we've developed our athletes with disability program, our sustainability program. There's so many uh, elements that come out of that that allows us to, to really engage people and, and, and grow. Um, it's just great. Every year, it's, it's amazing all the years that I've done this, and I'll just reiterate, I, I learn something a little bit different every year. You meet someone that you think you've, you've seen every, everyone from, uh, that has experienced the marathon, and then someone comes up with some idea that's it's, uh, it's, it's just refreshing. You know? Being open to always yeah. learning is, is a key. Uh, FK, anything of you know, words of wisdom that stick with you, or, or at least you pass on to, 
to other folks who ask you for a little nugget? Uh, you know, it's the simple ones, you know, follow your heart and you'll never work a day in your life, that type of thing. You know, integrity. My parents taught uh, my brother and me integrity, you know, is, you know, above all, maintain your integrity. But uh, in, in a way, it's a little bit, if I understood Carrie's comment, it's a little bit like Carrie's comment. So SRAM Corporation designs and manufactures components, super high-end components, just for the top of the market. And they won't, you won't see them on bikes less than $1,500. And typically you'd see them on $5,000 bikes, $10,000 bikes, $15,000 bikes. And it's very exciting to be at the top end of the market, you know, to operate right at the very pinnacle of technology. It is worth more when you're able to take that knowledge and apply it to the bottom of the market, to those people that don't have any choices, to those people that are completely underserved. And you have the ability to assist in revolutionizing their life. So as Carrie drew some, such great you know, strength and inspiration from the work he's doing with charity, I think that World Bicycle Relief has helped SRAM feel more holistic about you know selling components that go on fifteen thousand dollar bikes because we're also designing for the very bottom of the market so that combination is a real powerful combination and you know a pair of SRAM's carbon wheels would be worth maybe uh, eight to ten bikes just a pair of wheels maybe more and those guys that design those also help us figure out how to you know, design a good steel rimmed bike. You know, those people that designed our top end drivetrains also help us figure out how to keep a drivetrain in the worst environment you can imagine running in Africa. That's powerful. The same design that goes into the Tour de France, you can apply the same product development process to the bottom of the market. And when you get that type of talent involved, it's it's powerful and it's like you said to creative folks designers like that to be challenged okay it's one thing to be able to have a lot of resources to be able to find a solution how about we find something that for under 150 dollars can change a community's life and you figure out how do we find it it's basically indestructible and extremely affordable that's great i've hijacked the whole conversation i want to <laughs> steven uh okay this is for you so seeing as how the last bike i had um was not fifteen thousand dollars, <laughs> uh, but I'm interested in knowing now that you've seen the success and how the operations of all of the um, uh, the charitable end of it works on a global scale. Um, do you see how that fits for Chicago, for American markets, for people who have the same some of those same societal or, or transportational disabilities? In the United States, um, are you saying? Are you saying? Do you have any thoughts about like, or have you done anything where you said, okay, we've been able to take care of some of the other world now? Let's see what we can maybe try and replicate here. Right. Do you guys catch that over there? The question was, have we thought about doing some of the programs that we're running in Africa, trying to apply them to different uh, transportation needs in the U.S. So we we do look at that periodically, and they they're we see a lot of the same need, hard to believe, right under our own noses, where people are left in food deserts living in a city and they have to you know, either 
spend a lot of money on transportation to go get healthy food or they just have to get bad food from the gas station. So we, we see a similar need in a lot of our cities and conceivably in a lot of the rural areas. So as we look at it, we go, okay, how do we apply our resources to the greatest impact? Well, I know that the people that we're working with in, the, in countries in Africa and Central and South America, they've got no choices. So we go, okay, we, we kind of have to make sure that we're on a track to serve that. But if the right opportunity came, I would love to pilot some programs in the U.S. because I think we'd see similar results. And we do it slightly differently, but we, we would address the specific needs of the problem here. But I think there's an opportunity. Question over here. All right, so the last. Is anyone, I mean, just for. Yeah. Is anyone running in the marathon this year that's here tonight? Oh, there you go. All right. Liz. Woohoo! The entire room is resting on your back on Marathon Sunday. And what is this, what number is this for you? Number one, oh my God. Okay. So Liz Manley helped put the event together. Now we all are gonna watch her results on Marathon Day. No pressure, Liz. Well, good luck. Oh, that's right. It's right. She's not gonna share the new last name. I saw another hand go up, go ahead. question well, was how do they how do they engage enough volunteers even for a smaller triathlon it's always a scramble to get them so Terry in the case of, of uh, the events that we do we do the marathon and we do the if anyone's running the in the shamrock shuffle in the springtime and we work with with girls on the run it's 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 uh, it's networking and looking at uh, at groups a lot of times we rely on our charities or some of the teams but uh, it's an ongoing year-round process and in a lot of cases I was with the Oak Park Runners last night and this is their 29th year that they have volunteered at the uh, mile 18 on Taylor Street and uh, a group of, of uh, there's like three individuals and, it, and they make it a club it's on their calendar it's uh, it, they have a big party afterwards uh, you know obviously they, they have uh, a couple hundred of their club members that are running in the marathon but we have two individuals that work on that and it's reaching out to people and, and uh, engaging with them I and mean, obviously you try to make that and I, I think what I've learned over the years is is really having structure so when a volunteer shows up and they get busy and they feel like they're they're engaged and, and doing a task and they're part of it <clears throat> and part of that process and then you recognize them afterwards. Uh, we've developed, a, we make a donation to the club or organization. A lot of our groups uh, volunteer and they, they raise money for a charity or, and so there's, there's that philanthropic piece to it too. But um, when the volunteers come again, like what we do with, the, with our team after the marathon, we, ha we talk to the volunteers. How did it go? How, how did the, were there materials out there that you needed? What could you see? What could we do that would make it better? And we take that fee. So they feel like they're contributing to that. They'll say, okay, if you're going to do that, we'll be back next year. We'll help, we'll help out. And then, and then they, become, they become kind of a leader and they recruit. Uh, I mean, we'll use, we were talking earlier, we'll, in Chicago this year, uh, starting at the expo through the marathon, we'll use over 12,000 volunteers. So, and uh, the majority are from the Chicagoland area, but we have volunteers that come from South Bend, Indiana, and Davenport, Iowa, and Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, not this Sunday, but uh, <laughs> um, they'll all be in Green Bay. 
But um, so it, it's, it's just making sure that they're engaged and they feel like they're part of the process. I think over the years, if you have, you get a group that comes and, they, and they're kind of standing around or they don't feel like they're engaged, that, that's important. So, um, I mean, there's, uh, there's, we have a, 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 we get the group leaders together and, and a lot of it is education too, because they'll, they'll use some of the tools that they learn from the events that we do and they'll go back if they have an event or they're doing something in their community. Um, and a lot of the resources we'll share with them. So I mean, some, you've made some. It's you sometimes have to make some hard decisions. Like, okay, well, this is where we can get a lot of volunteers, for one reason or another. But that's not where we need them, or that's too many. So we're going to chop that, or we're going to chop the requirement, or add the requirement of what we're going to have them do. Yeah. It's making some of those hard decisions, and then it then pays off because then they're feeling valued, so then they end up coming yeah. back. And right? they feel like, and they feel, they feel like they're really contributing. So we make sure that they're recognized on the TV broadcast and our result book on our website. Uh, our, our team, uh, our communication team does a great job at recognizing the groups and the organizations that play uh, an active role in that. And we're able to, in the training, to introduce uh, CPR training and uh, just awareness. And some of the stuff is not, it's not fun, but you know, uh, we bring some of the tech guys in from the Chicago PD. And, and they, a lot of things that they learn with with our events, they take back to their events or their communities, and whether it's uh, you know first aid or we introduced a, a program this year uh, called Stop the Bleed, which is uh, if someone has uh, a, a serious cut, and we we saw some data about how many lives can save by simply using a tourniquet, and 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 that that was a learning experience for me too. Your shoelace, your belt, if someone, and you say, well, that's. That's only going to happen in an active shoot, but no, someone last summer fell through a plate glass window in my neighborhood, and um, they were able to uh, apply some tourniquets and, you know, save their life. It's things that they learned. So, it's 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 just the awareness and, and that engagement, and and then the making sure that they feel recognized and part of the part of the team. Yeah, it flows all the way through. I know from the experience with the marathon of the front end, the communication. Mm -hmm really putting them to work and then the value the afterwards you get to take home you know you maybe you get the t-shirt or a jacket or hat or right. all those plus you get, a party. You also get a really cool Nike jacket. If That's right. Too, so. Shout out to Nike. If you could talk a little bit about the evolution of the fundraising component of the marathon, the philanthropic arm and then for FPA, kind of the opposite. How did the for-profit aspect of World Bicycle Relief evolved. So it's kind of op opposition, but they both evolved from your primary kind of interest. Yeah, the evolution to fundraising for the marathon and the evolution from business side to fundraising for SRAM, WBR, Kerry. No, actually from World Bicycle Relief to their for-profit. Oh, right, right, from WBR to the for-profit, sorry. I think uh, what, what, I, what we saw in, in, in the endurance industry, whether it's the triathlon or, or, or primarily at first in the marathon, is that there was an intrinsic connection between the activity and, and um, you know, connecting with the charity, the, the work that was done. And I learned this first, firsthand this past year. I ran in the shuffle and ran, ran for charity, but uh, it How'd just, that go? It, it, it went pretty good. Okay. I mean, the race didn't go so well, but uh, I, have my wife, I, I have my wife to blame for that because oh, we okay. were supposed to run together. Excuses. She, okay. she, slowed, she slowed me down. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, if anything, you slowed Sue Pinkowski down. <laughs> right. So it, it was just a, there was a, there was a natural energy there, and uh, the fundraising and 
you know, the, the drudgery of training for it and that, and that journey and all of a sudden you're doing something uh, uh, outside of just the training and, and that connect point and, uh, you know, obviously each year complemented the next um, and, and it's something that, that is, has just worked. And um, for us, I mean, obviously last year we had a record year for us. We're, we're approaching $200 million since 202. So, and we were just talking with uh, World Vision with uh, uh, one of our, our largest, uh, they'll have 1,800 runners in the marathon this year that are raising money for, for their fresh water initiative, but the connection with World Bike, Bike Relief. And, and uh, I just think that um, what I saw, and, and, and I've worked on the other side where we've created these platforms and these information and connecting people with the messaging and the, you know, the onboarding of charities, but um, I just saw for me this past year, uh, I decided that um, we had a, uh, I, just kind of reflecting back on me personally, my son's uh, baseball coach, he's 14 years old, lost his wife to cancer. Uh, she was 52 years old after a 10-year battle. And I was sitting there and I said, gosh, we, I gotta do something. I, we, like, this is crazy. And I'm thinking back to some friends that I've had, and my, my father, uh, everyone that's been affected by cancer. So I decided that, you know, maybe we should do something. And my wife's like, and she looked at me, and she said, why don't you run for cancer in the Shamrock Shuffle? And I, I looked at her and said, well, can I, can I do that? <laughs> She's like, you're the, and she was an adjective in there, you're the race director, why couldn't you do it? So uh, we, I connected with the American Cancer Society and, and I really, there was just that, I, you know, I, I, and I, I was an athlete and have trained and been around athletes with, that we've recruited and it just kind of opened up a whole nother side to that. There was a community, my father struggled with cancer for a long time. Uh, and the stories and that team that we kind of developed and we would train together and and uh, I would get home uh, and you know the shamrock is in March I'd come home and it was a f you know February a Tuesday night and it would be snowing us on I would plop down and like okay let's put the Bulls game on and you know we're gonna order a pizza or and then I would say oh, oh wait a minute I gotta I got the shamrock I gotta I gotta go I gotta go train so I would Put my stuff on it. So it really, it, it was a really nice compliment. But I raised twenty-two thousand dollars for the American Cancer Society, and it really, it, it, it kind of, it opened my eyes to what that world's like. And we sat in a meeting when we were talking about doing this with our team, and um, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was one of you guys, but we said, "I'm going to run for cancer," and you know, and obviously with the inst instance of. Uh, of uh, the web and they said, well, you gotta have a website, let's put this stuff up. And they're saying, well, what, what's your goal? You have to have a fundraising goal. And I'm thinking, hmm, I can raise 1,500 or 2,000. I'm thinking about what I could afford because if I, if I fell on my face um, and somebody blurted out, I don't know if it was one of you guys, 18,000, you know? And I was like, and that sounds like great. They put it and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. And I'm, I'm laying in bed at night and I'm like, I gotta raise $18,000. Somebody put that on the web. And then you just saw, you know, we did just a little outreach and all of a sudden, you know, the first guys to step up were my counterparts, my race directors, uh, 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 Tom Grilk in Boston and Peter Chacha in New York and, and Hugh Brasher and Tad, all of my counterparts in the majors, they all kicked in a thousand bucks. So right there I had $5,000, so I was like, okay, we started closing. And then I was just amazed at 
Um, and the people that I talked to, how many people were touched by or affected? Oh, my, my mom, breast cancer, my, my, my aunt, colon cancer. I mean, it was how, how, how amazing it was. I was aware of it personally, but I didn't, it just reintroduced me to that whole element. So, and I was on the other side of it. So we had a, we had a successful year. I did get some training in and, and uh, we got through it, but there's just that emotional piece. And I think to, I'm kind of answering your question in a roundabout way here, uh, kind of a crazy personal journey, but I think there's an emotional piece. The marathon and training for the marathon or running is an emotional activity and it takes you on so many different turns. If you could just, and navigating around life, and it's such an individual expression of, of commitment and sacrifice that um, the, the charity piece and the philanthropic piece is wonderful. And our charities have done an amazing job of connecting the work that's done, like we're talking about the work that's done with World Bike Relief um, and, and the video there, uh, bringing some of the kids. We were at uh, Lurie Children's Hospital and there was a family there that had a young, uh, one of the young, a young boy who was uh, neuroblastoma. And they talked about the journey that this, this guy was on. It was, it was just, it, you know, and I, I had had a bad day and they asked me to come and talk. And I listened to this story and I, I mean, I, got, I came out of that and I was like, what are you complaining about? You have absolutely nothing to complain about. You are the luckiest guy in the world. And I got in the car and I was like energized to take on whatever. So it's, it's those, it's about, it's, a, it's about emotion. And, and I think that's what's motivated me over the years to continue on is that when you can connect emotional people and there's a, a common good to it, I think that's the key to it. And, and there's a lot of marketing that goes into it and, and the fundraising piece and the messaging and all that stuff. But when you tap into it, uh, the success that we have is that uh, it's the it's the human spirit. It's that that piece that that really is the the center or the core of it. I'm going to hear you follow up to that, Kate. FK. Don't no. do it. No. <laughs> I, I could do I could do really brief because it's a, a very interesting story. But that was beautiful. Uh, so my story is about a for-profit company that founded a not-for-profit company, and the not-for-profit company founded a for-profit company. So um, uh, remember I said that the, the, bikes, the bikes we ran into in Africa were all pieces of crap, and they'd start to break right away? So as we began to improve those bikes in the supply chain, people started coming to us and saying, hey, we kind of want to buy that bike. It's like, well, that wasn't our plan. You know, we're here just running, you know, large-scale philanthropic programs to help people in education, healthcare, and economic development. And they're like, no, no, I actually want to buy that bike because I have a farm, you know, a couple of acres, and I'm a long way from the market. Um, so we had so much demand that we founded a wholly owned for-profit company uh, whose profits all go back into the not-for-profit. So it's a, it's a beautiful model. And last year, I think we upstreamed uh, about a million bucks worth of profits from the sale of bikes and spare parts. And if we do our jobs well, that, that'll see, just keep going up and make more bikes appear on the philanthropic side uh, to help kids and, and healthcare workers and all of that. So it's a cool model. One more, Jason, professor, go for it. Uh, question about motivating staff. You guys have inspirational stories and inspirational things, but it gets extremely busy. Uh, working in endurance field for a while, and I remember always telling my staff, no matter what you're doing on day of, and you use the staff here, you have to go to the finish line. Because the finish line is where it happens, where you get the emotions, where you find the spirit. 
and I imagine just going and seeing people use your bikes. Do you guys internally in your uh, organizations make sure that employees have opportunities to find inspiration? What are those? Because sometimes you get bogged down day to day, but it's seeing that end user. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in case anybody couldn't, how do you ins stay inspired and inspire the rest of your team? Well, for, for us, I, I'm fortunate enough to participate in events like this and um, to be, I, I, I go to the, uh, the training groups and with the charities, which is the, the really rewarding aspect of it. I think the one piece that we saw uh, with the success of uh, of the marathon and we have a, 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 a selection process where people sign so our demand is so it didn't make sense for us to do from the business side of it to do expos and um, we decided I think three years ago to go back to New York just to kind of create to reconnect with the tour groups and just to be out there to talk and we brought some of our operations guys and part of their assignment was to go to the expo and answer questions and so they were there at like nine in the morning till you know eleven, and then we would have we would come in and and it was just to kind of interact and talk about the event. And I remember a couple of our operations guys just running up to me and said, "Oh my gosh, that was amazing! This woman told me about what a great time she had and how her friend." And it it just energized those guys that they got that direct feedback. So I mean, a lot of it is like really connecting and it's tough because people get busy and they they have families like anything else but I think uh, the one thing you try to do is connect the staff to the participants and to the charity piece and it's tough because you get you kind of end up going in, in different worlds but that direct feedback where someone says that was a great experience that was the best race I've ever run in the crowds were great I love the medal I love the expo that kind of feedback is like that you can see how that energizes people and sometimes we're so numbed by you know, the electronic piece of it that when you have eye contact with someone and they, and they talk about it or they talk about what a great time they had in Chicago and they want to come back and they want to bring their friends, I mean that direct contact is I think very valuable. Um, it's tough sometimes because people get busy and I know we, when we start, I mean we, we spend our time in our office or in Grant Park or at City Hall or in meetings and our world gets really, we don't see the outside of it. And, uh, it, it's it's tough sometimes, but what we, we do do is 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 take some of our team to some of the other majors, so they can they can kind of take a deep breath and step back and see that, and then learn and come back and say, hey, did you see what they did on the course with those directional signs, or what they did at what they how they placed you know their signage, or where their where the finish line was, or how they distributed metal, and they take that information back and feel like it's it's part of the process, and they and they and they take that um, that connection back. So that's what that's what we try to do, but it's it's tough sometimes. And then, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, sometimes it's not the right fit, like any any workplace, and it's not what people think that the job is. And you've got to make those decisions to, you know. And there's HR and everything else, and PTO and all of this <laughs> stuff that that goes into it, and budget, and you know, salaries and health insurance and all. Of, all the side of it, we're, we're, you know, I think sometimes think we're, we're, we're not part of that, and, and we are, but um, again, the people that work for us are, a lot of them have been with us for 10, 15 years, and they're, they're just very talented and committed, and if you can find those people and hold, and hold on to them, and they feel like they're part of that journey, um, and which a lot of our team has been, um, it's, it's rewarding, because you see, the, you see the product, which is that, 
you know, people have journey, it made this journey and come from around the world to be part of something that you create. It's, it's pretty cool. Is that a big part of it for you, FK, with World Bicycle Relief, that this chunk of people over here that work on WBR, do you get them out to experience seeing the impact? Uh, how do you help inspire yourself and the other people in the group? Listening to Carrie gave me a chance to think about how I inspired uh, our group, and it, I, it's occurred to me that I, I don't. I think I've forgotten how to. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I know that the, the work in the field uh, speaks for itself, and uh, I think it helps most of us wake up with our feet on fire in the morning going, you know, I believe that I can help one more schoolgirl cover the distance to school, which will change the rest of her life. And that's, that's deeply inspiring. And I also think, and uh, I, I might be wrong, so any of the WBR guys, you can tell me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Um, I think, I think living a life of commitment and in the service of our core values uh, and in authenticity, I hope is inspiring. And I may forget to inspire, like inspire, but I hope that living, living in that way is inspiring and helps us do a better job of what we do. All right, we've, we've gone over because it was a great conversation, but before we break up for a little bit more networking. Make sure, by the way, grab another beverage, a little more food before you head out and meet a few more folks. But I think folks here hopefully are inspired as well. Carrie, first, you know, how, how can people get involved at this point? You've got the marathon is uh, about a month away. Are there ways people can get involved? What's the best way to, to, to get involved this year and even going forward? Um. If you go to our website, chicagomarathon.com, and there's, if nothing else, if you live in the Chicagoland area or you live in Chicago, come on out and, and uh, welcome all of these participants from all walks of life. Um, you can volunteer. There's information about volunteering. You can be part of, part of the process. Um, uh, we look for, look for help, but just uh, enjoy uh, all of these people that are coming to discover themselves and discover our community. We even listed the help of Mary Beth Johnson over here is going to tell all of you, and then she's going to put the screws. No, she's not going to put the screws to you, but you can talk to her afterwards here of how to get involved with World Bicycle Relief. Mary Beth, tell us a little bit more before we wrap up. But before I do, FK, you inspire me. <laughs> without a doubt. It, without a doubt. <laughs> um, the mission that you built and the team that you built is incredibly inspiring. So uh, we don't get a chance to travel necessarily as much, but when our staff does, Mappy and one of them just most recently comes back and they, they share the stories of the bicycle recipients they met and really connects us to our work. And so, um, yeah, we have, a, we have a pretty awesome team. And Carrie, you inspire me as well. <laughs> so I think it's awesome that we have these two incredible human beings in Chicago in the world sitting on the same couch and I want to thank Chris for giving this this excuse to put it together and those for the painless networking event yeah. thank you Chris and thank you everyone for for being here what an engaging conversation too I felt like there were some really cool themes that came out that overlap with our work which is amazing tapping into the en energy of the community the celebration of humanity learning from one another. Um, Carrie, I really like what you said. Everyone who participates should feel good and connected. 
and creating the community about something that is bigger than all of us. So if you felt inspired by these stories and the content that we shared, I wanted to give a couple examples of upcoming opportunities to get involved with World Bicycle Relief, but I want to make a little asterisk there. Getting involved with World Bicycle Relief doesn't mean just showing up. Of course, that is a part of it. That's the first part of it. You have to, you have to show up. But beyond that, it's really having a better understanding of what it means to provide mobility solutions and answering problems and working together and working collaboratively and then finding those solutions and being part of it as well too. So it's more than just showing up. Upcoming, um, not this weekend, but next weekend, we have a two-day event. Um, it's September 14th, it starts with shaking your head, maybe you're attending. A uh, really cool experience, it's a bike film festival called Film by Bike, and it's up in Lakeview. And feel free to take notes or jot this in your memory. Um, we'll also send an email with these details too for you guys to easily get information and to register. But Bike Film Fest, you don't have to ride a bike to participate. Just come, bring your family, bring your friends. We'll show some of the best bike films around the world. And then the following day, September 15th, we're doing some morning group rides and bike shops throughout the Chicagoland area too. And then also, I know some of you, if not all of you, are part of a corporation or organization or group that also wants to be part of the solution to mobility challenges. So if that's the case, right. please well, find me. I would love to learn more about the work that you do and how to engage with you. Uh, we have a lot of different options for corporate partners in the area in Chicago and within the US. And that's everything from cause marketing to employee engagement and just coming together to build awareness of mobility and being part of the solution together as well. And then the last part, we'll come and cheer Liz on. <laughs> and then this is, <laughs> this is our first year for World Bicycle Relief to have to be part of the charity program. And we have a team of five runners that will be more than likely wearing our WBR jersey. So if you are out there for one of, I think, the, one of the best days in the city, um, please look out for our runners and give them a big high five and a big cheer. But thank you so much again for joining us. Um, let us know if you have any questions. And yeah, thank you so much again, Chris. Thank you, Carrie and FK. Awesome. And one last shout out too, um, because this would be silly of me to completely forget this after we talked about teamwork and community. A big round of applause to our volunteers tonight who helped make the event happen as well. Excellent job. Let Mary Beth take us out there. Thank you, Mary Beth. And thanks again to Carrie and FK for carving out all the time and willingness to share their stories. Also need to send a shout out to Mike Nishi and Alex Sawyer from the Marathon for all their help and suggestions. And, of course, Liz Powell from World Bike Relief, who suggested and really drove most of this event, made it happen, along with uh, Ruth Ann Renard and Mary Beth Johnson from WBR. Thanks all, and thanks everybody who came out. Great event. Hope to see you at the next one. And check out the pod description how you can get connected with WBR and or the Bank of America Chicago Marathon. That can be running and fundraising it can be coming to an event it can be volunteering for an event check it all out including the great wbr year end happening that's coming up really fast can't believe november 8th is almost here it's called africa in motion check the pod for info and check it out all right guys i'm gonna get out of your ears thanks a lot for listening it's chris hartwig saying stay connected friends